It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Spartans. It is Saturday, February 23rd, 2019. We are on the eve of the third ever top 10 meeting between Michigan State and Michigan basketball. Uh, The two square off this Sunday at the Chrysler Arena in Ann Arbor. Uh, 24-3 Michigan taking on 22-5 Michigan State. I don't have... Their specific AP top 10 or AP rankings in front of me, but I know they're top 10. They're both top 10. It's the third time ever in the history of this rivalry uh, that they are playing each other as top 10 teams. And, you know, the game maybe lost a little bit of a luster when Nick Ward broke his hand against Ohio State, but it still uh, looks like it's going to be a really fun and exciting game. So uh, that's what we are going to talk about today. If you listen to yesterday's show, we previewed the the game with Joe Cook Sugart of 131sports.com and uh, Busting Brackets over at Fansided. And real quick, uh, if you haven't read his preview of the 10 most polarizing figures in the his, in the recent history of Michigan-Michigan State basketball rivalry, you should. It's fun. It's a good read. Um, and it's fun just to kind of reminisce and look back and remember some of the moments uh, of this rivalry. So real quick. Uh, plug for Joe there, uh, but he joined the show and we got his perspective. You know, it's a it's a different perspective than mine. It's a Michigan fan perspective. You know, his thoughts on Cassius Winston are a little bit different. His worries, uh, things he's worried about with Michigan State, I think, are a little bit different than mine. Uh, and you know, some spots where he's, uh, I think, confident uh, in, in some areas. I think maybe might be a little bit of a weakness for Michigan. Things like that. So it's just good to get a different perspective. Uh, and specifically the opposing fan perspective. You know, Joe's not someone who covers the team. He watches every game and knows uh, a lot about that team. So I thought it would be cool to have a unique perspective like his. Uh, and I hope you liked uh, hearing from him and, and found some insight uh, in that. If you haven't listened to it, just go back to yesterday's show and, and check it out. Today we are going to do my perspective, the Michigan State perspective. Uh, I'm going to preview the game talking about what I think are the big things to look out for in this game. Um, I'll give you my opinions on Michigan, some things that I think they do well, they don't do well, where Michigan State can exploit them, uh, and just some overall thoughts. And, and, you know, of course, mix in stats and actual factual, <laughs> actual factual, that's a great little saying, actual factual information, stats and things like that, numbers. Uh, that I think are important. So that's the plan for today's show. Same as yesterday, two segments, one single commercial break. So we kind of smashed Friday and Saturday shows, or not smashed them, spread Friday show out into two two separate shows to elongate this, give you more content while not being, you know, burdensome and putting out an hour-long show or a 45-minute show with a bunch of commercials. Uh, That is not any fun to listen to. So Real quick before we get going, uh, there's a few ways you can listen to the show. Uh, you know, you obviously are listening right now. You figured out one of those ways, but the best way is to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. If you haven't subscribed yet, just hit that subscribe button, uh, and new episodes will show up on your phone every single morning, uh, right around five or six o'clock, uh, most of the time. As long as I don't have you know, like a power outage or some sort of technological technological failing. Uh, I get those things out published the night before uh, and, and scheduled to go 
and so they show up right on your phone when you're getting up for work or whatever. So that's the best way to do it. Subscribe to the podcast, and if you wouldn't mind, head on over to iTunes. Give the uh, give the show a nice five star rating. Leave a review if if you fancy uh, that stuff. All helps, and it is greatly appreciated. All right, let's talk about this game. Okay, so Michigan, they are quite good, and it's gonna be. You remember how? If you were listening a couple weeks ago, I shouldn't say you remember and assume everyone was listening. By the way, thanks to uh, new listeners for checking out the show. I appreciate you. Um, a couple weeks ago, Michigan State was getting ready to travel to Wisconsin for uh, a really huge game. And I was spent half the show talking about how this is going to be the worst game of the year to watch. Uh, just because of how much is at stake. And on the road at Wisconsin is the worst place uh, maybe Virginia is the exception on the road at Virginia, but on the road at Wisconsin in the Big Ten is the worst place consistently to watch a basketball game. Unless, I guess, you're a Wisconsin fan, which in that case, you're not playing on the road at Wisconsin. So any other Big Ten team traveling to Wisconsin is just the absolute worst. Well, I stand by that statement, but this Sunday uh, might very well top uh, the Wisconsin game because honestly... There were stretches in that Wisconsin game where there was some pace. It was fun. It was up and down for a little bit. There were some exciting plays. Uh, it was a little bit out of character. The game got into like Michigan State, scored 67 points. Crazy. Um, this game might not get out of the 50s against Michigan. And honestly, that might be Michigan State's best uh, chance at winning this game. Although, you know, uh, Michigan does have an elite defense and a solid offense. And I would still say, even without Nick Ward, Michigan State's offense is a little bit better than what Michigan uh, has been putting together this season. Um, really, especially of late, they've had some spots where they've really struggled on the offensive end, uh, and we'll talk about that. But just uh, from a, a broad ma- macro perspective, this game might suck to watch. It might be sl- it's going to be slow uh, in parts. Michigan's going to do a lot to slow it down. Um, they are 303rd in the country in adjusted tempo. Uh, which is just nauseatingly slow for, you know, Wisconsin's 341. So Wisconsin still got them beat. Uh, but Michigan is very slow. They don't have a transition game. They love to take their time and they win. Uh, this team wins on defense. They have the number two ranked defense and adjusted efficiency and the number 33 ranked offense and adjusted efficiency. Good for number seven overall in Ken Palm. Uh, so it, it, it might be a grinded out Big Ten rock fight, you know, and uh, one of those games that just people who are 80 years old love to hearken back to, although I guess that happens more with football. You know, sometimes it happens with the, the NBA. People long for the days when Pist- the Pistons are winning 76-64 uh, to 64 in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, but, you know, it's sort of that football mindset, people getting jazzed up over a 6-3 game and talking about great defense. There's going to be plenty of that. Uh, in this game, and there might also be some incompetent offense at times. So let's uh, mentally prepare yourself. That's that's just what I'm going for here. Mentally prepare yourself. Uh, let's talk about some personnel for Michigan. Uh, who do you need to know? What do you need to know about them? And I'm going to run through this pretty quickly uh, for two reasons. One, we kind of went over this uh, a little bit with Joe yesterday. Uh, a couple things I thought he missed um, that I do want to add. To, not that he missed it, but he just didn't get around to saying it. I just want to add uh, for some perspective. Uh, and then the second reason is Michigan doesn't have a lot of players. So uh, they start 
Uh, Iggy Brasdakis, Jordan Poole, Charles Matthews, Xavier Timpson, John Teske. Off the bench, they have Isaiah Livers and Eli Brooks. Isaiah Livers plays 49.5% of their minutes. Eli Brooks, backup point guard uh, or two guard, generally two guard actually, uh, plays 32% of the minutes. That's it. Nobody else is more than 10% of the team's minutes. Uh, Brandon Johns and Austin Davis will uh, occasionally play you know, a handful of minutes here or there. And I'll, I'll just go over like real quick these minutes from Michigan. Just played Minnesota a couple days ago. So uh, for Michigan, Poole played 38, Simpson 37, Matthews 37, Teske 36, Brasdikis 23, Livers 20, uh, Brooks 2, David Helius 3, Colin Castleton 4. So And those are guys who uh, almost never play for Michigan. Uh, so it's really those primarily, it's, it's those seven guys. Um, and Livers is getting used more. I mean, he's you, we know Isaiah Livers from uh, his his last year. Uh, he's playing more, so it's, it's six guys. Brooks doesn't do a whole lot uh, when he's out there. Uh, so they are, you know, it's kind of like they've been playing the way Michigan State's been playing the last uh, two games the entire season. Uh, they're very short. Uh, they got so Cassius Winston. I think this is an interesting thing. Cassius Winston's playing 81.6% of Michigan State's minutes this season. Uh, in in conference games, it it jumps up a little bit to 86.4% of the minutes this season. So 86.4 for Cassius Winston. Um, in conference games, Jordan Poole is playing more than that. Xavier Simpson plays 90% of Michigan's minutes. And Charles Matthews plays 83. John Teske's at 75. Like Michigan has four guys on their team who play a higher percentage of minutes than um, Kenny Goins, who is uh, the number two guy in conference play in terms of minute percentage for Michigan State. So, uh, you know, we worry about uh, Cassius Winston winding down, grinding down. And, and yes, he does more uh, on the offensive end than anyone on Michigan. He carries more of the weight than anyone on Michigan does. Um, but Michigan's just as short as Michigan state and has been doing it all season. Um, so, you know, whether you want to say that means they're well conditioned or, you know, they're starting to get tired. Uh, you can go either way with that. You know, they start 17 and 0 and they're seven and three in their last 10, which is not, you know, a terrible thing, but they're three and three in their last road games. Uh, they're, they're three and three in their last six road games, you know, road loss to Penn state, bad road loss to Iowa, um, you know, tough road loss to Wisconsin. They lost by 10 points, um, to Wisconsin. And that game was, you know, somewhat close until, I don't know, like, I think it was like seven minutes left or something like that. Wisconsin, uh, started to pull away. Michigan was up and then Wisconsin kind of flipped it, uh, like the under eight timeout or something like that and kind of pulled away. So, um, you know, Michigan's definitely had some issues with depth this year. Uh, when John Teske, Goes out, uh, so there's John Teske, 7-1 center, uh, plays 70, 75% of their minutes in conference play. Uh, no one else on the team that plays any sort of significant minutes is taller than 6-7. Isaiah Livers is 6-7, 235, uh, and, and Braz Dacus is 6-7, 215. So when John Teske's off the floor, Michigan goes small. If John Teske gets into foul trouble, which he doesn't do a lot, he, he um, is only called for three fouls. Uh, per 40 minutes, so he does a good job staying out of foul trouble, but he got into foul trouble against Iowa, uh, and Michigan got just blown out in Iowa City. They lost by 15 points to Iowa, and I remember that game when he was getting into foul trouble, it was noticeable. 
they got crushed down low. So that's something that, you know, I don't foresee it being a big issue. It may be if Nick Ward was in there, it's a bigger concern for Michigan. I don't see, you know, the the one-on-one matchups like Teske. Remember Joe said Teske plays one-on-one in the post. He does not receive post help. Uh, Tillman's not the guy, the way he plays, who's going to be backing him down and battling down there and getting him in foul trouble. Although I will say that I like the idea of Teske matching up with Tillman in two-man games, uh, whether it's the pick and pop up top, pick and roll, things like that. Uh, Tillman has much better feet than Teske. Not that Teske's lumbering or anything like that. You know, he does a good shot job blocking shots. Uh, and like I said, uh, he doesn't get fouled. So if you're able to get a, a high block percentage and not get uh, a ton of fouls called on you, that generally means you're a pretty solid defender and can move your feet and do a good job with timing and things like that where you're getting blocks but not getting fouls. So, he, you know, Teske's not a stiff back there. He's a big guy, but he's not a stiff. But uh, Xavier Tillman is just, you know, he's he's smaller uh, by a few inches. He's a little bit lighter, probably just as strong. Like, you know, Tillman is very well built and is a really good athlete. And, and I think that's something that Michigan State can certainly take advantage of. Uh, and, you know, for Teske's height, he does a solid job rebounding, not an elite rebounder by any stretch, uh, but does a solid job. So that's somewhere where Michigan State can take advantage of that. Um, getting him out on the perimeter a little bit, getting him away from the paint will open up lanes for Cassius Winston, will open up spots uh, for Aaron Henry to go to work in the lane a little bit. Uh, Matt McQuaid's been driving it more uh, and getting into the paint, little runners and things like that. So I think that's really interesting to watch. How does Teske play Xavier Tillman at center? Is Tillman able to drag him out to the perimeter? Um, you know, I don't. If, if Goins is playing the five and Michigan State's going small, and it's Goins against Teske, how how does Michigan defend that? That's something certainly to watch. I think Michigan would be more comfortable if Ward was in the game because you know what you're getting. You're getting a one-on-one back-down situation where you're kicking it into the post and Ward's going to work on Teske. Uh, and you just you bet on your guy, right? Michigan State fans are like, yeah, Ward can can win that, and Michigan thinks Teske can win that, and that's I think a comfortable spot for Michigan and for Michigan fans and for their coaches. Um, I think they they prefer to have Teske playing that sort of defensive role, uh, but once you drag him out onto the perimeter, get him moving, uh, make him defend pick and rolls and things like that, it could get interesting. You know, maybe he picks up some fouls on the perimeter. Maybe uh, he's just sucked out there. Uh, by the sets Michigan State's running, and Cassius is able to get into the lane without that big body uh, in there to threaten the shot, and Michigan State's able to, you know, get get to work that way. Really, like Teske has an 8.4 block percentage. Uh, next highest on the team is Isaiah Livers with 2.2, uh, and so you know Michigan State Nick Ward's block percentage is 6.3, Xavier Tillman's is 7.4, Kenny Goins is 5.2, even Aaron Henry's is 2.4. Um, just as a comparison. So Michigan doesn't block a ton of shots, and if they're blocking any shots at all, it's it's Teske. And so pulling him out of the paint uh, would be a good way to counteract that. So uh, that's going to be really interesting to look out for. How does that matchup shake out? Um, Let's see here. Uh, We know Xavier Simpson, probably the best on-ball defender uh, in the Big Ten from the guard spot. That's going to be really tough for Cassius. And I'm with Joe, uh, who said yesterday that if – uh, Cassius gets sped up and Simpson's able to turn him over a handful of times and, and the game starts, you know, you know, whatever, snowballing on Cassius, that, that could be trouble for Michigan State. 
that's kind of the premier matchup in this game, Simpson versus Winston. Um, you know, Simpson is really uh, a one, I would say, won the majority of their battles uh, since they've been matching up uh, against each other the last few years. And it's going to be tough at Michigan. It's going to be super loud. Uh, probably the most hype uh, Chrysler will be all season, I would imagine. Maybe the North Carolina game comes close, but this is... You know, this is different. This is for the Big Ten. This is two top ten teams. End of the season, they haven't played each other yet. Uh, this is certainly going to be a hostile environment. And so uh, if Cassius is getting sped up and if he's making silly mistakes, uh, kind of like he did against Illinois, not that you know Michigan doesn't force turnovers at the rate Illinois does. Um, they're 138th in the country in turnover percentage on defense, so they're kind of middle of the pack. It sort of matches up decently with how Mich- how much Michigan State turns it over. So I wouldn't, you know, predict that uh, Cassius is going to have turnover issues in this game, but it's certainly something that uh, is worth keeping your eye on. How is Michigan State taking care of the ball? All right, I'm going to break right here because I'm running a bit long. When we come back, we'll just kind of continue with this, uh, going through some matchups and different things like that, uh, and more of the same. Hey, uh, I mentioned earlier in the show, there's a bunch of ways to, to get this podcast, the best ways to subscribe. Well, another really great way is you can actually play this podcast directly in your car with your smart device. Uh, all you do is tell it to play podcast Locked on Spartans, right? Same thing when you say, hey, navigate me to Meyer, Navigate me here. Hey, call Betsy. Hey, call mom. You do the same thing. All you do is you, instead of say, hey, call whoever, you say, play podcast Locked on Spartans. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, welcome back to segment two of two of today's Locked On Spartans. Let's keep running through this. Uh, Michigan versus Michigan State matchup. I want to talk about uh, Iggy Brazdakis next because I think he's going to be someone, if you've watched Michigan play this year as a Michigan State fan, you've probably rolled your eyes at him a number of times. Uh, And he started off the year just unreal, on fire, killing teams. Um, I'm I'm on his Ken Palm page right now, and their first... Oh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 12, 13 games. In their first 13 games, he had seven MVPs uh, of the game. That's that's like, that's crazy good. You know, 19 against Air Force, 23 against Northwestern, uh, 24 against North Carolina, put up 18 against Villanova, 20 against Providence. Like, he was lighting teams up. Uh, slowed down a bit, though, in Big Ten play. You know, he didn't score against Wisconsin. Had two against Wisconsin the second time, six against Penn State in their loss, 10 against Minnesota, 13 against Maryland. Did have 23 against Rutgers, but his scoring uh, average has certainly dipped. Has some big games in conference plays, uh, some just awful games and some kind of mediocre-ish games. I saw some chatter uh, that in the Beeline press conference, someone asked if he had given, given any consideration to swapping livers uh, and Brezdikis in the, in the starting lineup, starting livers instead. Um, so the fact that that question is is out there kind of shows, you know, he hit a it's a he's a freshman, right? He hit a bit of a freshman wall, um, and it's not like he's 
you know, this terrible player now or anything like that. Um, but he's just not as prolific as he was at the beginning of the season. And that's under, you know, we've seen it with Aaron Henry. We've seen it. You see it all the time with freshmen, but he's still a really good player can still shoot it, uh, from deep. He's shooting 38% from three on the season, uh, and 37.9. So, you know, 38% in conference play as well. 22nd in the big 10 and three point percentage. So he's a good three point shooter. Uh, you know, he takes a, a good amount. He took, 12 total in his last two games, didn't take any against Penn State, took 13 the two games before that. You know, he's he's somewhere between three and six, three and seven, three-pointers a game. Um, that's going to be huge. He's going to, I would imagine, be matched up with Matt McQuaid. And McQuaid's got to, you know, stick to him, especially on the perimeter. Uh, he's a guy who takes more threes than twos sometimes. Uh, you know, he's got, let's see here. Uh, yeah, last game he took five twos and four threes. The game before that he took three twos, eight threes. Uh, the game before that four and zero, five twos, four threes, five twos, nine threes. So you get the picture, right? Uh, on the season he's taken 192 or 100, yeah, 192 twos and 99 threes, uh, 106 twos in Big Ten play against 66 threes. So you know, in Big Ten play, a little less than two-thirds or a little less than a third of his shots have come from the three-point line. So it's definitely something he uses a ton, uh, and it's something he's good at, and it's uh, a spot where Michigan State and whoever's guarding him, whether it's McQuaid, Arns, or Henry, is going to be absolutely have to be stuck to him. Uh, and he's one guy in their team that does get to the free-throw line. Michigan, as a team, uh, is absolutely brutal at getting to the free throw line, they are 291st in free throw rate and then 241st in free throw percentage. So they're a very bad free throw shooting team. Uh, and they're even worse at actually getting <laughs> to the line and getting those attempts up. But uh, Braz Dacus is kind of the exception. He's the best one on the team at getting to the free throw line. Um, you know, he's 453rd in the country. So he's not elite at it by any stretch, but he's solid at getting to the free throw line and he hits them. Uh, at a 78% clip. So he can do a good job there. So with him, you know, he's a guy in this type of game, uh, fiery dude, emotional dude, a little bit of Mo Wagner in him. Uh, if he gets going, gets hot early, he's getting to the free throw line, hitting threes, he could easily get 22, 23, 24 points uh, in, in this game. And that is just an absolute recipe for disaster uh, for Michigan State. That is that That cannot happen. Uh, if Michigan State wants to win this game, so slowing him down is going to be huge. Uh, not he's you no know, he's not a big defensive stopper or anything like that. Um, you know, I guess out of, outside of Simpson, you know, Teske does a good job on the defensive end, but outside of Simpson, there's not like elite defenders all over the place. It's just a really good team defense for sure. So biggest concern with him is on the offensive end, keeping him. Uh, you know, off the free throw line and making it hard on him on, on the perimeter. Uh, that's the the key with him. Now, if you ask, I don't know, anyone who doesn't, I don't know, anyone in Michigan, they'd probably tell you, you know, their most important player offensively is Charles Matthews. Got a little bit of a Carson Edwards in him. Um, and, you know, sometimes he's an outstanding scorer. Uh, sometimes uh, it's just not going for him. Against Penn State, he scored 24 points on only 11 field goal attempts. Uh, against Minnesota, he had 9 points on 11 field goal attempts. That's a big range of outcomes uh, for him. He's a slasher. He can get to the rim. He's a Kentucky transfer. Uh, that He did play for Michigan last year, but he played for Kentucky as uh, a freshman. was a really highly regarded recruit. Doesn't do anything 
super well. Just he shoots a lot. Uh, he shoots 36% from three in conference play, which is up from his season average, shooting 33% from three over the entire season. Doesn't take a ton of threes. Uh, you know, 44 in 16 conference games, so two and a half a game. Um, but he's taken a lot of twos this year. Doesn't do a, you know, he does an okay job getting to the free throw line. Not great, not bad, but he does a solid job, but only shoots 63% when he gets there. He's not a great free throw shooter, an inefficient two-point shooter, shooting under 49% on the season there. Uh, he just shoots it a lot, uh, but he's another guy similar to uh, to Brez Dacus. Uh, if he gets going uh, and starts making shots, that can go a long way towards Michigan. Uh, not someone you have to, you know, worry a ton about in terms of playmaking and other peripheral stats. I mean, they really run through Xavier Simpson a lot, but Matthews is playing on the wing, and really McQuaid might be on him as well. It's going to be interesting how Michigan State matches up McQuaid, Henry, uh, and Arns with Matthews and Braz Dacus because they're similar players. Uh, and then I imagine uh, Jordan Poole, well, I don't know. Uh, Braz Dacus might even see a little bit of Kenny Goins because he kind of plays... Uh, the four there, it's, it's like Michigan plays a point guard, a center, and three wings, essentially. Uh, and and Poole, Matthews, and Brez Dacus are all kind of interchangeable in the position they play. Technically, Poole's the shooting guard, Matthews is the small forward, and Brez Dacus is the power forward. Um, but it's really, it, it, it moves all around. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. Does Michigan State ever match up with them by playing, uh, you know, a smaller quote-unquote lineup? with uh, Henry, McQuaid, and Arns all on the floor at the same time with Cassius uh, and either Goins uh, and Tillman. So that'll be something to to look out for. Does Michigan State try to match up by going big? Uh, that'll be interesting for sure. But um, what was I just talking about? Oh, Charles Matthews, yeah. Uh, in terms, yeah, like I said, Matthews, good player, shoots a lot, can fill it up uh, when he gets going, but can also have really off nights uh, on the offensive end, you know, like I said, nine points on 11 shots against Minnesota, uh, six points on 12 shots against Iowa, nine on eight shots against Ohio State, uh, and then he's got nights like Penn State, 24 and 11 shots, uh, Wisconsin, 18 on 15 shots, which isn't super efficient. Um, so yeah, he's a guy who uh, gets to the rim a lot, uh, gets to the free throw line, like I said, a decent amount, doesn't convert well when he gets there. Uh, and probably takes too many threes than his coach would like. <laughs> and I think you could probably say the same about Jordan Poole as well. He's uh, he's a really interesting guy because I think he's super talented. Uh, and it's just like whenever you watch him, you're like, he should be better. You know, he shoots 39% from three, shoots uh, around 80% from the free throw line, but doesn't get there enough, doesn't take enough twos. You know, he shoots he's shooting 56% from two in conference play, um, but he just doesn't. You know, it feels like every time he gets the ball, he should be driving to the rim, but he likes to hang out at three-point line, and when he gets it going, uh, he can absolutely light it up. He went five for 10 on th- uh, on threes against Minnesota. He scored 22 points. That's a, a, a big thing with this Michigan team. A lot of guys can bring it on different nights, and someone who, you know, Poole had eight points against Maryland, followed it up with 22 against Minnesota. So the same way Matthews can have... Uh, 18 against Maryland, and then fin- followed up with nine against Minnesota. They're all kind of similar guys. These the, these three wings, if you will, they can they can all shoot it a bit. Poole and Brezdeka shoot it well. Matthew shoots it okay, uh, sometimes bad, 
but they can all have these nights where they absolutely go off uh, and, and shoot it really well and play uh, just outstanding. And, and Poole's a guy who is it's going to be key for all of them. You got to run him off the the the, the three point line. You got to keep him off the free throw line. Uh, he doesn't draw fouls at a rate nearly high enough for a guy of his ability and the position he plays and the way, uh, you know. The, and, and even like just reading things from Beeline and things like that, uh, doing some research. I know it's been an emphasis for them this year is getting him to go to the rim more and not settling for as many threes. Uh, because he can have nights like he did against Penn State, uh, where he goes one from eight, one for eight from three, and six of eight from two. He scores seventeen points, and you you're just kind of like if you would have just gone to the rim a few more times, and instead of settling for three, uh, you could have had a more efficient night and scored twenty plus points, kind of thing. So he's another really good player, really athletic guy, springy, six five. You know, all these you know, Matthews is six six, Brezdakis is six seven, Pool six five. Um, all very similar players, all kind of profile uh, similarly, and you got to run them off three point lines, got to keep them out of the lane, you got to keep them off the free throw line. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting. How does Michigan State uh, defend that trio of kind of interchangeable wings? Okay, I want to finish up this show just by going over some things broadly and how I think uh, Michigan State can attack Michigan at some spots. So Michigan uh, is very good at a number of things, they're third. And turnover percentage on offense, number one in steal percentage on offense. They do not turn the ball over at all, like at all. Um, so that's the the big strength of their offense. They're an okay shooting team, uh, 124 in effective field goal percentage, 141 in the country in three-point percentage, although prior to the Minnesota game, they were shooting 30% as a team from three since the new year. They'd been really struggling from deep, uh, and that's very important for them. Uh, if you listen to yesterday's show, Joe told you Michigan needs to hit 40% of their threes, and if they do that, they'll probably win, uh, and I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Michigan State's got to keep Michigan in the 30 to 33% range from three, hopefully taking a lot of inefficient shots uh, and missing a bunch of them. Uh, Michigan shoots 51.6% uh, from two, 126 in the country, so similar to the three-point shooting, not great, not terrible. Uh, like I said, bad free-throw shooting team. Um, so just offensively, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're just okay. Their biggest skill is not turning the ball over two things. They're bad at, they do not get to the free throw line and they don't hit their free throws and they do not offensive rebound the ball. They are a very bad offensive rebounding team, which plays right into Michigan state's hand. The, what I think is the most deciding factor for Michigan state over the last month has been the rebounds. And if teams are able to, uh, hammer Michigan state on the offensive glass, uh, and get second chance points, then they've been able to beat Michigan State. But if you don't have a team that can do that, the only way to beat Michigan State is to hit shots, uh, difficult shots, because Michigan State generally makes life difficult more often than not on opponents. That's why you know Michigan State has the fifth best effective field goal percentage against in the country, second best on two-point percentage in the country, 49th and three-point percentage. Uh, Michigan State does a really good job making teams take tough shots, and if you're not hitting the offensive glass and getting easy putbacks, you got to hit shots. And Michigan has a bunch of guys who can hit all their shots and a bunch of guys who uh, can miss all their shots as well. So that's uh, something I think plays into Michigan State's hands, although, you know, this game's in Chrysler. Role players, shooters always shoot better at home. 
Uh, so that should help give Michigan a boost there. But if Michigan State's able to clean up the glass and keep Teske off the boards, um, then that should play well uh, in their hands. Defensively, Michigan doesn't stink at anything. <laughs> uh, number two overall adjusted defense, seventh in effective field goal percentage against. Uh, you know, fifth at free throw rate. They don't foul teams. Thirty fifth in defensive rebounding percentage. Nineteenth uh, at defending the three. Eighth at defending twos. Uh, you know, they don't block a ton of shots and they don't steal the ball. That's the one thing. They're, they're similar to Michigan State. The only difference is Michigan State blocks more shots, but Michigan uh, just defends and then they rebound. Uh, Michigan's a better defensive rebounding team than Michigan State, so it'll be interesting to see if Michigan State can get on the offensive glass at all because that's going to help. Michigan's a really good defense. They're just like Michigan State. They force you to take tough shots. Uh, They force you to take contested shots late in the shot clock that you don't want to take, and then they grab the rebound and go the other way. Um, So they're not going to turn Michigan State over a ton, I wouldn't think. Uh, You know, home game, hype environment, it could happen. Michigan State could get jittery and sloppy and turn it over too many times, but I wouldn't count on that. That's not the style of defense Michigan plays. But uh, Michigan State's going to have to hit some shots, and they're going to have to hit some tough shots, and they're going to have to out-rebound a team that is – pretty much as good as them at rebounding. So as good as Michigan State is on the offensive glass, uh, they're 20th in the country. Michigan is 35th on the defensive glass. So it's a really even matchup there. That's a spot where Michigan State is going to have to sort of out-rebound their numbers. They're going to have to bring that extra effort. Aaron Henry's going to have to get a couple offensive rebounds. Goins is going to have to get a few. Tillman's going to have to get a few. Uh, They're going to have to be able to get those loose balls on, you know, you miss a three, it's a long rebound. Who's going to get there first? Michigan State's going to have to get some of those uh, if they want to score enough to beat Michigan. So all in all, two teams that, you know, match up really well with each other in some different ways. Um, Michigan, uh, I think, doesn't really take advantage. Like Michigan State doesn't have many weaknesses at all. Their biggest weakness is uh, offensive or defensive rebounding, and Michigan is a terrible offensive rebounding team. Uh, and you know, Michigan doesn't do anything poorly, uh, except for like poorly on defense at all. Um, so it's going to be it's tough. Like, there's they're really evenly matched teams, really well balanced teams. Uh, I think the loss of Nick Ward makes life a little bit easier on the foul situation for John Teske, but that doesn't mean um, that it's a net positive for Michigan based on the type of player that John Teske is. Uh, So that's something I'm certainly going to be watching for. How is he defending Xavier Tillman? Is he getting sucked out to the perimeter? Is Michigan State able to clear the lane? If they are, I think they could have some success. Uh, You know, I think a mobile big would give Teske a little bit of trouble. Uh, so that's certainly something to keep an eye on. And then, of course, the premier matchup, how is Cassius Winston playing against Xavier Simpson? Can he kind of shake the demons of Simpson off a little bit? Uh, they're going to be playing, I, bet, I would bet they both play 39 minutes <laughs> uh, tomorrow. Uh, so that's certainly something to watch out for. Who's getting the better of that? Is Cassius coming off the ball at all, running around screens, running Simpson through a bunch of screens to get open looks, to get himself going? That might be a, a route Michigan State decides to take, knowing how good Simpson is at just straight one-on-one defense. It's going to be tough for Cassius to get to the lane. Uh, so I would imagine a lot of screens, a lot of pick and rolls, a lot of different things are going to be thrown at Simpson to try to give Cassius any sort of space they can uh, because that is going to be super key for Michigan State offensively. So all in all, good matchup, two good teams, two elite teams, two of the best teams in the country. 
Uh, yep, lost a little bit of luster when Nick Ward went out, but Michigan State is still a really good team. Uh, still an elite, elite defensive team and still a very good offensive team. So I wouldn't say there's much difference between these two teams, even with Nick Ward out. Um, and I'm certainly looking forward to it and equally dreading it uh, at the same time. But that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Spartans podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores. You can email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We'll be back Monday with a new episode of Locked On Spartans, hopefully celebrating a big victory Monday that would go a long way uh, in the Big Ten race. Uh, a big road win against Michigan would probably uh, edge Michigan State right up to the, the butt end of that one seed line and put them in a great position to get a one seed uh, going into the NCAA tournament. So looking forward to it and dreading it, uh, but should be fun. Either way, back Monday, reviewing this game. Uh, until then, go green. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.